All right, how's everybody doing today? You guys good? It's a good morning. It's a good day to be at church. And uh, we're actually in our eighth and final week of Tangible Kingdom. Can you believe that? Isn't that crazy? We started an adventure about eight weeks ago, something we called the Tangible Kingdom. And uh, we've been going through this workbook called the Tangible Kingdom Primer. And we've been learning how to be more kingdom-minded, more aware of what God is doing around us. And uh, if I can just share from, from our elders for a minute, we're so proud of you. We're so proud of what, what we're seeing God do in your life. And we're so encouraged by what we're seeing. So thank you for being a part of this course, for all of you that were part of it. Thank you for those who led. Um, you know, this is our eighth week. It's going to be a big week. So the first thing, uh, just to look at what this week holds. Number one, uh, those of you who are going through the primer, be sure to finish up your Tangible Kingdom primer. Go through week eight. It's an important week. And, um, and part of week eight is reflecting on what God has done in your life over the last eight weeks. What have been the, the key insights and light bulbs that have gone off? Be sure to take some time to reflect. It's really important to pause and to reflect. Um, number two, for those of you who are in a group, uh, which is a big majority of our church, I want you to talk to your Tangible Kingdom group this week about continuing to meet together for the next semester. Now, this week, week eight, is officially your last week to meet as a group, but it doesn't have to be your last week. We have a new semester starting off right after the holiday season, and uh, that's going to kick off the week of January 12th. Now, for those of you who aren't a part of a group right now, you can jump in as we begin a new semester. The spring, I call it the spring semester, but you still have to endure winter, you know. So it's kind of the, it's kind of the winter-spring semester. So we're going to have a new semester in 2020, and that can be a time for you to jump in. It can be a time for you to jump out. But the really important thing is, as you meet, as last week, the Tangible Kingdom group, talk about what you want to do. Do you want to continue? In 2020, and we hope you do. It's been awesome to have those groups. Number three, throw a party. So, if you look at the very last action step in our primer, the very last action step is to throw a party and to invite some people who might not be connected to Jesus or the church. So, we want to be a church that throws some parties, have some fun. We want to connect some people who aren't connected to Jesus or the church. So, that's our last assignment here in Tangible Kingdom. And it really couldn't come at a better time, right? I mean, this is party season. And some of you already have some parties on the calendar. You've got Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. And so really what we want to ask you to do is to find some time in the next six weeks to throw a party. And that's really why the elders have decided not to do breads and spreads this year, because we want you to throw a party and invite some people and just begin to connect with some people in your life that may not know Jesus. We want to be a church that parties. And then um, last one, next Sunday, I'm really excited about this. We're going to have a very special Sunday that we're calling Remember and Celebrate Sunday. And uh, we want to remember and celebrate everything that God has done over the last eight weeks. So we're going to have fun. We are going to share some stories. Some of you have a tangible kingdom testimony that you need to share. So we're actually going to make time within the service for you to get up and share a testimony. 
I've got a, a great story um, of what happened when my neighbor cussed me out two weeks ago. So you're going to want to come and hear that story. I was doing Tangible Kingdom and I got cussed out. So uh, come hear the story. But a lot of you have a Tangible Kingdom testimony to share. And uh, that's what next week is about. We're going to have coffee. We'll have some, you know, some pastries. We'll celebrate and just thank God for just what he's done this fall. We also want to talk about what this looks like in 2020 as we live this out and beyond. Um, but here's the thing, and we've said this over and over again. We don't want this just to be another book study. You're like, oh, I studied that book. You put it on the shelf. No, no, no. We want this to be something that we continue to think about and live out. Uh, something that becomes an intuitive way of life. And uh, that's what we've been talking about from the very beginning. We wanted to go on a journey where we allowed the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, Christianity is a matter of the heart, in a way that would change our life forever. And that's what week eight is about. Week eight is called the intuitive life. And, uh, and that word intuitive, it, it, it kind of means second nature. It's understanding that the tangible kingdom isn't just a program or a book study, but it really is a lifestyle. And this goes back all the way to the very beginning of the course. In the introduction of our, our primer, this is what we read. We hope that after finishing the eight-week guide, the new habits of incarnational community have become so ingrained in your heart and in your behavior that the activities become intuitive, not regimented. Um, for those of you who, who maybe are, are new or have come in over the eight weeks... Our first action step was to cross the street and to have a conversation with one of our neighbors or to cross the fence. You know, that kind of felt maybe regimented. Like, wow, that's not something I would normally do. But what we hope is that after doing these eight weeks, that some of these things we've learned, like crossing the street, like <laughs> getting into somebody's life, um, blessing people with no strings attached, throwing a party. Our hope is that some of these things we've learned will become so much a part of our thinking and our, and, and our experience that it becomes an everyday part of our life, that it becomes our intuitive life. Have you ever driven somewhere so many times that you can do it without thinking? You guys know what I'm talking about? Or, or have you ever had one of those moments where you're you're driving home and you zone out and next thing you know, you're pulling into your house and you have no idea how you got there? You ever done there? Like, oh, I have no idea how I just got here. <laughs> how does that happen, right? I mean, it's, it's your intuition is taking over. You're doing it by experience, not, not by thinking. It's second nature. Or you go, why is it that preachers always preach three-point sermons? Why does it always have to be a three-point sermon? Because it's intuitive. That's, I can't help it. Now, why does Goldilocks, you know, how come Goldilocks encountered three bears? Why not two? Why not four? Because three is just right. I can't help. Every time I see a passage, I'm like three points. It's intuitive. It's second nature. That's kind of what we hope for, for tangible kingdom. It's what we hope will happen in our minds. We want to be people that think kingdom. We want it to be an intuitive part of our life and not just a program. And so how does that happen how does the kingdom become our intuitive life? And maybe as we've gone through this, some of the things we've talked about aren't intuitive for you. 
We talk about investing in another person's life or, or, or making a connection with someone. And maybe you're going, you know, I'm kind of an introvert. It's not that intuitive for me to do that. Or, or maybe you say, I'm not an expert evangelist. I don't have the gift of hospitality. But I know this. Many of you in this room have had an experience of God's kingdom breaking into your life. And you want to share that with the world around you. So how does that become our intuitive way of life? Today I want to take you to Colossians 4. And if you have your Bible, open it up with me to Colossians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians is a letter in our New Testament that is written by the most intuitive TKer there ever was, the Apostle Paul. And he's going to give some advice and some encouragement to the rest of us on how we can more intuitively live this out. Colossians 4. Let's read verses 2 through 6. It says, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. What a great scripture. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we get to gather together in the name of Jesus Christ under his kingdom banner. And I pray that as we look at your word, Father God, I ask that you would help us by your Holy Spirit to intuitively live a life that is less about ourselves and more about your kingdom. And we just ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I already told you it's going to be a three-point message. It's just how I roll. How can tangible kingdom become our intuitive life? How can kingdom become our intuitive life? From Colossians 4. This is my first thought. Pray with your eyes open. Pray with your eyes open. Which, by the way, that's not how we normally pray, is it? With our eyes open. But that's what Paul says. Listen to what Paul says in verse 2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, those are three words that don't really seem to go together. Because we talk about prayer and we talk about being thankful and expressing our thanks to God. But what about watchful? It's kind of hard to be watchful because how do we pray? Well, let's take a moment and pray together. What's our intuitive response? To close our eyes, right? It's our intuitive response. How do we change that to where we begin to pray with our eyes open? Angie and I, uh, we, years ago, we did a, it was like a prayer ministry training. We were learning how to, to pray one-on-one for people. And as part of the training, 
They said, I know this sounds really, really weird, but when you're praying for somebody, don't close your eyes. When you're praying for somebody, pray with your eyes open. Never had heard that before. And they began to talk about why. Why would you pray for someone with your eyes open? So you're more aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing in their life while you pray. You can actually see how God is working in a person's life as you're praying for them. And say, they said, don't pray with your eyes closed. When you pray for somebody, pray with your eyes open. And Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful. In other words, you need to pray with your eyes open. You need to be asking God, God, how are you working around me? How, what are you doing around us? God, show me how you're moving so I can pray into that and move into that. I want to pray and be watchful so I can be thankful. And as you're sitting around the Thanksgiving table this year, will you truly be thankful Because when you see what God is doing, you are driven towards gratitude and you're driven towards thanks. And so we pray with our eyes open. It's why our series is called Tangible Kingdom. Because it's this idea that God's kingdom isn't just then and there, but God's kingdom is here and now. And God's working in your life. And God is working in the lives of people around you. Where you live, where you work, where you play. God's at work. His kingdom is coming. It's a new reality touching down on planet earth and it's changing lives. But I think the problem is so many of us have spent our Christian lives praying with our eyes closed. And Paul's saying, open your eyes, be watchful, be thankful, devote yourselves to prayer. Pray without ceasing like the scripture says. Well, it's kind of hard to pray without ceasing and praying while I'm driving if your eyes are closed. What would happen if we began to pray with our eyes open? God, show me how you're working. Show me what you're doing in the lives of people around me. Because I want to pray into that. I want to move into that. I want to be watchful and thankful. And then Paul goes on in the next verse. He says, pray for me. Pray for us. Look at verse 3. He continues on. Devote yourselves to prayer. And then he says, pray for us too. That God may open a door for our message. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. For which I'm in chains. And what is so amazing is that God is going to begin to open doors around you. Kingdom doors will be opened and you will see those opportunities around you because you're praying with your eyes open. And so Paul says, pray for me, pray for us because I've got this message that I want to take to the world. It's a message that the life of God and his kingdom is now available to every one of us through faith in Jesus Christ. Pray for us, pray for an open door. And as you begin to pray, God is going to open doors around you so that other people might have their lives changed by Jesus Christ. And so what if you and I began to pray? That's the intuitive life. We're praying, we're watching. Pray with your eyes open. Some of you are are familiar with the author Lee Strobel. He's written a book called The Case for Faith. The Case for Faith. For Christ. If you're ever wondering what evidence is there for the Christian faith, 
you'd want to pick up a Lee Strobel book, one of those case four books, in the library. So everybody make a mad dash. Get your copy. But listen to what Lee Strobel says. You know, he's the guy that's talking about making the case. But he says this. He's talking about the power of prayer. He says, before you start to talk with your friends about Jesus, why don't you talk to Jesus first about your friends? Isn't that powerful advice? Before you talk to your friends about Jesus, why don't you talk first to Jesus about your friends? I just begin to wonder what would happen if we began to pray through our neighborhoods with our eyes open. Oh God, show me how you're working. Holy Spirit, how are you leading me? I pray for this house. I don't even know who lives there. I'm praying for this house. I'm praying for this neighbor. God, thank you for the people that live around me in my neighborhood. Thank you for this neighborhood. Show me how you're working. My eyes are open. What could happen if you began to pray through your office? What if you began to pray through the, your school halls? I pray for Bob. I pray for Ellie. Father, let your kingdom come. What if you just started praying that at work, praying that at school? Father, show me the relationships that I need to invest in. My eyes are open. And I thank you for how you're working, even in this place, my office, my school. Years ago, I was a part of a church and did something pretty cool. We had these VIP lists. Remember the VIP lists? No. We had a list of very important people in our lives that didn't know Jesus. We would take three minutes out of our church service and every Sunday we'd pull out our VIP list. And we'd pray for those people by name. Who's on your VIP list? Who are you praying will come to know Jesus Christ in a powerful way? And then begin to pray with your eyes open. It's how this becomes intuitive. Pray with your eyes open. Second uh, insight from Colossians 4. How can kingdom become an intuitive way of life, not just a program? Pray with your eyes open. Second, I like this, keep your antenna up. Keep your antenna up. Think about antennas. They connect us with the world around us. Our phones have antennas in them that connect us so we can receive calls or get on Wi-Fi. You remember the old cell phones where you had to pull up the antenna? You remember that? Like, or, or how about this? Uh, did any of you grow up watching, uh, like me, television on a TV set like, like that one? Any of you grow up watching that? Okay, yep, yep. Remember that, that box and, you know, you get the static and you have to, like, adjust the rabbit ears or maybe you smack it on the side. Do you think that's going to help? But, I mean, this was back in the day. There was no on-demand, no Netflix, no Prime. You literally had to get up and change the TV channel. Yeah? Yep. And there weren't that many to choose from. <laughs> you kind of watched what was on. Uh, but, but you couldn't just buy one of these box TVs and get TV. You had to put up an antenna. 
Otherwise, you just get that static. So you put up an antenna either on top of the TV set, or better yet, you put an antenna up on the roof. And that antenna then would receive or pick up TV signals that were being broadcast over the air. By the way, did you ever hear about the the two antennas that met on a roof and fell in love and got married? The wedding wasn't much, but the reception was amazing. (laughs) I I have little kids. (laughs) (laughs) So God's kingdom is happening. Kingdom is happening all around us, right? God's working all around us. But the question is, is your antenna up to the kingdom opportunities that are happening all around you every single day? Because it is happening. Kingdoms happen. Is your antenna up? Now, the Apostle Paul, he did this intuitively. He lived antenna up. And that's what we see in Colossians 4. He says, look, look what he says next in verse 5. I love this. You know, underline this in your Bible. Highlight it. Draw an antenna next to it. He says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. When you're with people who who don't share your faith, Paul says be wise and keep your antenna up and make the most of every opportunity that God gives you. The, uh, some of you have heard of the hotel chain, the Ritz-Carlton. Well, they have, a, they have a saying, they have a mantra, and it's very simply uh, radar on, antenna up. And they, they use that with their staff and their employees. They're always saying, radar on, antenna up. And that's the secret behind their legendary customer service. And there's a lot of great stories that come out of that. And uh, one of my favorite stories is about a family who went on vacation, and they stayed at the ritz which is pretty cool. I never got to do that growing up, but this family stayed at the Ritz, and it was awesome. They loved it. They had fun, and then they checked out. They started heading back home, only to realize that, that their little boy had left his favorite, favorite giraffe stuffy back at the hotel, and you, if you, you've ever had that happen with one of your children, you know they're just devastated. They're crying. They're upset. They're mad. They don't think they're ever going to see their stuffy ever again, and so the parents are just completely distraught. They're like, what are we going to do? And, and the mom, you know, she's thinking quick on her feet. And, and she says, well, don't worry, honey. Uh, the giraffe is just going to have a few extra days of vacation. And they called the Ritz and they got on the phone and, and they let them know that this giraffe was missing. And of course, the staff found it. And then they overnighted the giraffe back to the little boy, which, you know, any great hotel would do. But the staff, they weren't just thinking what every other hotel chain would do. Their antenna was up. And they they had heard that the mom had told her son that the giraffe would be spending a few extra days of vacation. And so the staff, along with the giraffe, put in some photos of this little stuffy enjoying a few extra days of vacation. Yeah, he's... He's by the pool. He's getting a massage with the cucumbers on the eyes. <laughs> the golf cart. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Isn't that antenna up? Yeah. 
What if we as Christians lived antenna up? We think about the opportunities we have every single day to make a difference in somebody's life. What if we began to do that? What if we kept our spiritual antenna up? How many lives could we impact? And maybe it's, maybe it's as simple as going to that work party, going to that birthday party. Maybe it's inviting a coworker over for a meal or just going out after work. Or maybe you see someone in your neighborhood who has a need and you go and you help them out. It's just simple ways, but our antenna has to be up. And uh, it's exciting as we've talked as elders and with our leadership team, we, we see that in this church. We see people thinking tangible kingdom, and we love it. Now, I remember there was a couple that went through tangible kingdom years ago, and they began to really be intentional about their relationships in their neighborhood. And a few months after the course, an ambulance showed up at their neighbor's house and drove off. You know what the first thing they thought? Tangible kingdom. (laughs) They hopped in their car and they drove to the hospital. They found their neighbor at the hospital. And they just said, hey, can we pray for you? We don't know what to do, but we wanted to come right away. Can we pray for you? The person said, I can't believe you would care so much about me that you would hop in your car and drive all the way over to the hospital. I'm not a Christian, but I would love it if you would pray for me. They had their antenna up. How many lives would we impact? How many people could we connect to God in a real and tangible way if we would make the most of those antenna-up opportunities? And you're going to have them. And I hope you're thinking tangible kingdom or just even kingdom is fine with me. How can tangible kingdom become our intuitive life, not just another program? Pray with your eyes open. Keep your spiritual antenna up. And last one, season your conversation. Season your conversation. One of the main ways that we're communicating these days is over text message. There's a great way to season your text message. uh, Emojis. I'm not a big emoji seasoner. But there are those who, you know, emoji here, a heart here, a a thumbs up. I, I have one friend... And uh, he uses emojis. And uh, a year ago, I guess it was less than a year ago, but during that, you know when the Eagles were um, in the playoffs and they're going to the Super Bowl and everybody's getting really excited? I I have a friend who in every text message would put an eagle in it. Like, hey, I'll see you there. Thumbs up. Eagle, eagle, eagle. (laughs) Or Or my favorite was, I'm praying for you prayer hands. Eagle, eagle, eagle. <laughs> like every text message was, se- was seasoned with eagle emojis. And that's passion. That's real. That's genuine. And, and when you have a passion for something, you can't help it. You know, you want to share it. And if you're here today and you have a love for Jesus Christ, I want to just want to encourage you. Don't hold back. Don't be ashamed. Let your conversation be seasoned with a little bit of Jesus salt here and there. A little bit of faith. 
Because it's real, it's genuine, it's what you do when you have a passion for something. But how we do that is actually really, really important. And that's what Paul begins to talk about next. It's not just, I'm praying with my eyes open, not just my antennas up, but we're going to have moments to share a little bit about about God and about the difference he's made in our life. And we're going to begin to season conversation. But how we do that, church, is so important. And so Paul gives us direction on how to do that well. Um, Two verses here. Verse 4. Paul says, Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. We live in a day where there's so much spiritual confusion. And so we want to be the ones who can talk about our faith Clearly, can you talk clearly about your faith in God? We can even pray, God, help me proclaim it clearly, because I know I struggle with that. So he says, proclaim it clearly. Number two, he goes on to verse six. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace. Wow, if Christians would just do that, One, we could just pause there and pray today. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so Paul's just saying, as you begin to talk about your faith, as your passion comes out, be clear, be full of grace, season conversation with faith. That's all good. He says, if you really want to make an impact, let me just leave you with this idea. Be someone that people who don't believe in God want to talk to about God. Let's be those people. Be someone that people who don't believe in God want to talk to about God. Be that kind of person. And we do that by allowing our faith to season our conversation. Now, have you ever taken a bite out of something that was way too salty? Uh, So I love French fries, but my wife loves her fries with a lot of salt. And I I can't even do that. Sometimes it's just too salty. You know what I'm talking about? And I think when we're talking to our friends about God, it's not always just about speaking the truth. But we want to help people to be able to receive the truth. Does that make sense? It's not always just about speaking the truth. That's good. Speak the truth, but it's not just about speaking the truth. We want to help people to be able to receive that truth. And a little bit of seasoning can go a long way for that. A little bit of salt, and I'm interested. I'll taste it. I'll take a bite. Yeah, oh, wow, that's good. And so how can you begin to season your conversations with faith? And it could just be when somebody sees something good happen in your life, you say, wow, that, you know, that wasn't me, believe me. God is awesome and I'm praising him. Can you say that out there in the other 167 hours of the week? We can thank God for how he's worked in our life around our friends and neighbors and co-workers. We say God is awesome and he did that in my life. We can encourage our friends. We can encourage our loved ones and our family members and just say, hey, I know you're going through this, but listen, don't leave God out of the story. We can season our conversation in little ways like that. I had a, a co-worker years ago and And she was battling cancer. And I said, listen, I am praying for you. And I would ask her how she was doing. I would just keep reminding her, I'm praying for you. I'm believing God for you. And that meant so much to her. And there are so many little ways every day we can just season our conversation with salt. 
Because what are we doing when we do that? We're letting people know that God is real. And we're letting people know that our faith is real. And what's happening is that you're actually becoming the kind of person that people want to bring their deeper questions about God. And that's why Paul says, be ready to know how to answer everyone. Because when you do that, you're actually becoming the kind of person. I'm, I'm speaking clearly, graciously. I'm seizing my conversation with salt. You're becoming the kind of person that people want to talk to about God. And some of you are here today and you're saying, ah, wait, wait, I don't want to be that person. Because you're afraid that somebody's going to ask you a question that you don't know the answer to. Right? All been there. And I would just say sometimes the very best answer is I don't know. But I'll find out. I'm going to run downstairs and I'm going to grab that Lee Strobel book. Or, or maybe, it's just, maybe it's just, you know what? I've got to be honest. I don't know. I don't understand why, this hap- why God would let this happen in your life. And you know what? Some days I struggle with that too. And I just think if we as Christians will, will be okay to admit that we don't have all the answers, that people might begin to believe the answers that we do have. And so we season our conversation with salt. Because if you don't talk about God, people aren't going to ask you about God. Does that make sense? It's part of the intuitive life. How can we just artfully and intuitively season our conversation and talk about G. It's like adding those little emojis to our conversation. So what is the intuitive life as we close today? I like this definition. Spirit empowered. We can't do this without the Holy Spirit, can we? We need to be tuned in to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our The intuitive life is a spirit-empowered lifestyle guided by a capacity to sense and respond to God's direction. It's a habit of living that is prayerful and artful and intentional. That's what we've been talking about today. How does the kingdom become my intuitive life? I'm not praying with my eyes closed anymore. I'm praying with my eyes open because I know kingdom's happening all around me. I'm paying attention to the Holy Spirit. My antenna's up. I'm looking for those opportunities. And I'm artfully seasoning my conversation with my my love and my passion for Jesus Christ. And then I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit can do. That really brings us to the end of our course. But isn't it amazing the end is just the beginning? There's a whole new adventure in front of us. We don't want Tangible Kingdom to be a program that ends. We want it to be a lifestyle that begins today. And we need the Holy Spirit to do that. And that's what the intuitive life is all about. So let me pray for us. And we can close with worship. God, thanks for this course. Thanks for working in our heart and working in our lives. It's exciting to be a part of a kingdom. And we know that everything that can be shaken in this world will be shaken, but your kingdom will remain. And your kingdom is good news. It's good news for us. It's good news for our friends. 
It's good news for our family. So we want to live in the reality of that kingdom more and more. And the scripture says, the, actually defines the kingdom. The kingdom, according to scripture, is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. And I just think a lot of us today could use a little bit of righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. So Heavenly Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May we honor you. Help us not to live for ourselves. Help us to live for the greatest thing that's ever come to this world. And it's Jesus, your son. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for rising from the dead. Filling us up with your Holy Spirit. We need you to refresh that today. Refresh us with your presence. Send us out to live intuitively for a kingdom that is eternal, that is in the heavens, that will remain forever and ever. And we ask that in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen.